Hi, welcome to the Blockchain Journal Club. I'm Carlos. And I'm Perry. Today is a very special episode. It is our very first guest episode. We have with us today, Simon Sahayek. Hello. Simon, thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this for a very long time in my fantasy podcast imagination. Um, Simon, you are a PhD student at McGill, just like Perry and I. Um, That's right. You don't want to introduce yourself, so I'm going to have to do it for you, right? Go ahead. Uh, if I get this wrong, Simon is a biophysics PhD student, or do you want to just go physics, just normal physics? Physics sounds, physics sounds better, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. a little bit of an inferiority complex happening. I can understand that for sure. Oh my it's God. like your uh, astrophysics. Oh, yeah? I feel yeah. like ast don't astrophysicists feel like they're better than everyone? I don't, I don't think so. No? Or no. maybe, maybe. Okay, I don't know. So the theoretical physicists are the best. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, no, but yeah, okay. So you're, you're, doing, uh, you're, you're doing the math for like uh, microscopy stuff, right? Super resolution? Yeah. Very nice. Um, but you're also into blockchain, I hear. Former yes. senior developer at Ozeki. Oh, right, yes. Recently demoted to junior developer at Ozeki. Well, I think on the website, you're technically a junior developer right now, no? I think he's senior. We're, oh, we're gonna, oh, he's we, senior. We should demote him, though. <laughs> I think, yeah. Absolutely. Lack, lack of devotion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were less than enthusiastic about this podcast. It, it's cut, getting cut out, but I'm not going to forget it. Can't cut something out of my memory. I have a very basic knowledge of cryptocurrency. I mean, basically, you were an expert in 2017, just like everyone else. Sure. And I know we're not calling anyone out in this episode, but I'm going to have to go and, and, and uh, put that one out there. And you, you, you're basically focusing more on magic these days than crypto. <laughs> not, not, not the performance art. Not, the, <laughs> not Chris Angel. <laughs> Chris Angel, mind freak. Magic the Gathering. That's Magic the Gathering. You too, Perry. So don't act like you're not a nerd. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's something I'll never, uh, I'll never understand from you guys. And the, the art, the art on the cards. It's for the art? Oh yeah? yeah, really? It's cool. So, yeah. so you, sh you should understand huh. those, Mr. Art Collector. Yeah, except you can just click on a printer, like print another Blue Eyes White Dragon, you know? You can't print can... another Picasso. Wrong book. game. Of course you can. Just take a picture of it and print the picture. I don't understand. The art on the card is an image from to begin with, right? It starts really? off as an image. I'm sure you can buy the original art. Like somebody drew it by hand on a... For sure. Yeah? For sure. Yeah. And that's for sure. Is that worth a lot? I don't know if it's a lot. It's probably worth something. You think it's worth more than, like the rarest card is worth more than the painting of the art that the original guy made? I don't know. Probably not, right? Because they don't care about the art, Simon. Not sure. They not just sure. care Simon. about the points on the card. You're losing our audience, I think. We're losing our audience. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Thank you, Simon, for keeping us on track. Uh, okay, so this is the Blockchain Journal Club. Uh, basically, it's a journal club where we discuss recent uh, articles pertaining to blockchain technology. Not necessarily recent, right? Just articles. Okay, fine. Not necessarily recent. So far, they've been recent, though. But we might go into the, the classic papers, maybe. Yeah. Um, but so we're going to uh, start off with, uh, it's my turn to present the paper. So I'll be presenting what I understood from this week's paper. 
and then we'll have a kind of discussion and probably try to understand it better together because I think I had some questions uh, after reading it a few times. So um, are we all good? I'm going to share my screen now. Let's do it. Okay. Um, boop, boop, boop. Brave share. Are we all still recording, boys? Yes. Oh, no. That's the yes. wrong. <laughs> I accidentally shared uh, our gender stats for, the, for our audience. So you guys can enjoy that. Um, damn it. Where was it? Oh, here. Okay. Share. Wait, what are you guys seeing right now? You're seeing the stats? We're seeing the paper. You're seeing the paper? Yeah. Oh, that's super weird because I'm not seeing that. Man, I have way too many tabs going here. And now it's just blurry for me. There you go. You see the paper now. <laughs> that's crazy because I don't see it. Oh my no, God. No, but it's just you picked the wrong screen to share. That's what happened. I'm confused. You have to you have to pick click on screen sharing and then click on this on the screen you want to share. Yeah, yeah. I clicked on Brave Browser ABC Blockchain Share. That's the that's the paper. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now we see now we, so now we see the paper. <laughs> I don't see it though. So that's what's crazy to me. But just just change the window and go to the paper. I am trying that. It's not working. Uh, okay. Let me close. It's probably Damn your it. Mac. It's probably your Mac. Guys, we're, oh there we go. Okay, now Simon, I see. It. Simon, are you on Mac or Windows? Windows, obviously. Exactly. He's a I chemist, though. Windows, are work Windows is working right now. Uh, Mac is not. Hey, I'm the only one with a computer science degree here. Oh, well, so, yeah, okay. We don't really have a degree yet, but it's fine. I know, let's not jinx it. I do have an undergrad in computer science, mind oh, you. Okay, okay, fine. To be fair, I don't know why I don't like Windows, but I know I don't like it. Nice. That's it. So, do you guys see my screen? Do you see you the see slides? Us? Yes, we see slides. Okay, very nice. So, <clears throat> Shouldn't be drinking Diet Coke while Guys, I record. My, uh, my audio switched again. One sec. That's fine. Just keep rolling. Um, all right. So today's paper is called ABC, Asynchronous Blockchain. Yeah. We should, we should let Simon fix this problem because otherwise you'll get the echo. Uh, for a little bit. We can't have silence like this though. This is no good in the podcasting community. We should just cut it though. Very unprofessional. Yeah, it's very we unprofessional. Just cut it. Simon, yeah, do, you, we, do you listen to podcasts, Simon? No. Okay. Did you fix the uh, problem? So my Audacity says other applications are competing with Audacity for processor time. You're saving. So maybe it's, okay. bec yeah, maybe it's because I'm recording also. I don't know. No, you're probably opening other apps. I mean, it, it's literally telling you have too many things open, huh? Yeah. Yeah, but it's Zoom, right? It's Zoom and this. Well, no, we all have this set up. No, that's all you have open, Zoom and this? Yeah. Zoom Whoa. And no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you have a browser opening? Open? Yeah, I should close it. Close your browser, man. Yeah, okay. Are you back on, uh, on your headphones? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So... Today's paper is called ABC, Asynchronous Blockchain Without Consensus. Um, it's our third episode, and I'm going to give a little uh, intro to it. So, again, trying to keep things friendly for the people that are just listening. Um, so, the, this, is, this paper is basically presenting a new type of blockchain 
an entire system for transacting between people. Um, and when you're trying to do that, usually the main problem that you need to address is something called double spending. And uh, if you guys think it's uh, worthwhile, I can do a little intro on double spending. What do you think, Perry? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so uh, usually, um, you know, for a long time before Bitcoin came around, we had most of the ingredients you need for having digital money, which is basically these cryptographic primitives, which let you authorize uh, certain messages. So if you're uh, Alice, you're some person with a computer that's trying to send a transaction across a network, you can prove that you're Alice um, and you can prove that you own a certain amount of uh, assets. Um, and that's nice. You can sort of imagine that you have a network where people send each other transactions and they can act almost like checks, um, where if a, a check is correctly signed, uh, in this example, it would be signed with a digital signature. Um, then you can say that it's valid because the person gave the permission to actually spend that amount of money. Um, but the main problem is that if you're not going to have any kind of bank or central authority that's looking through these transactions and saying, you know, which ones get approved and which ones don't, um, then you face the problem that someone could just create checks and send them to multiple people at the same time, spending the same money that they have. So if Alice is trying to buy a pizza from Bob, she can send Bob a valid check that she signs that has an amount that she owns and Bob sees that and is happy and gives her the pizza. But then at the same time, she can create an identical check, but instead send it to Charles. And Charles would also check that she has the right amount of money, that she actually signed this check. And uh, they would both basically accept her check and she would end up with two pizzas and having only spent one amount of Bitcoin. So um, this is called double spending. And in order to overcome this challenge, uh, what Bitcoin did was say, okay, well, we need a way for an entire network to agree on some kind of history of transactions so that we can see that if one ha transaction happened before another, then, and they're both trying to spend the same uh, current, same uh, sort of amount, then um, one of them is invalid, right? You can't re-spend the same money that you spent once, right? So you want to time order the transactions, basically. Exactly, yeah. So if there were some way for Bob and Charles to see that, uh, you know, one transaction already happened in the past, then they would be able to reject Alice's attempt at re-spending that. But unless you either trust a bank to do this for you, um, then they're, without having some kind of more sophisticated uh, system of rules, you can't really enforce this. Uh, and that's where blockchain came in. Like Perry said, it's really trying to organize things in chronological order. Is double spending still, is there some that sometimes go through? Um, not Somehow? You mean, you mean on Bitcoin? Yeah, say Bitcoin. I, I think the whole point of the proof of work is to eliminate those transactions. So so there, you, there's no chance you're going to get a, like a successful double spend. So, not on one chain, right? Yeah. Not within okay. a chain. I mean, I don't know if Carlos, you're going to explain the double spending or yeah, like the proof of work now, then you, you can talk about it. Then. I will. Yeah. Just give me a slide here. Yeah. Um, and so this is not necessarily related to the double spending, but um, it comes up in the paper. So it's this idea that transactions um, spend other transactions. So um, this is called something in Bitcoin, uh, something in Bitcoin called UTXOs, so unspent transaction outputs. Um, in Bitcoin, there are no accounts 
so there's no like entity that owns a certain amount. So it's not like Perry on the blockchain. There's a, an account that has Perry's name and it has a certain amount. All there are are transactions. And transactions basically have inputs and outputs. So and a transaction takes as input some amount and has as output some other amount. Uh, but all the inputs and outputs are equal to each other. So basically, uh, let's say a transaction wants to spend, um, you know, one Bitcoin, then it would have to prove somehow that there's another transaction that it controls that outputs a total of one Bitcoin, right? So in order to spend uh, an amount of Bitcoin, you need to prove that you've that you control an address that has received at least that amount of Bitcoin, right? Um, and so those those sort of transactions that you can claim or you can spend are called unspent transaction outputs. So that's just UTXOs. Anything to add here, Perry or Simon? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, yeah. So the point is it's, it's almost like all the Bitcoin is marked, right? Like yeah. uh, all the outputs are claimed by someone that can just prove that they're, they control the key that can spend those coins. Exactly. Right. That's uh, the point. And then you, you essentially get something that starts looking like a chain. Although it's not exactly what the blockchain is, but you know you, you can follow the history of the the outputs that a transaction is claiming, all the way back to the beginning. So, um, yeah. So you can that, do the example here, right, on this slide. Yeah, sure. So we have, for example, transaction three is trying to send 0.8 Bitcoin to some person and 0.6 Bitcoin to someone else. Um, so in order to do that, it needs to claim. Uh, the outputs from two other transactions. So it's claiming one Bitcoin from transaction one and claiming uh, 0.5 Bitcoins from transaction two. Um, and that adds up to more than what they need. Actually, so the, the, yeah. the difference goes to the mine, to the, to the mine oh, yeah. right? Yeah, it's true. So as, the a, as, as, a, as a fee for the processing the transaction. True, true, yeah. So um, so what's what's happening with the transactions that it's claiming is that those transactions that uh, it's using as inputs to its new transaction went to basically whoever is creating this transaction's uh, address somehow. So that person's able to sign for those outputs and therefore is able to use them as inputs to their new transaction. <laughs> That's a lot of uh, words, but basically it's saying that there's no accounts. It's just in order to create a valid transaction, you need to prove that you've received uh, at least that amount of money that you're trying to spend, right? Or that you can sign for it at least. Yeah, by collecting transactions, right? So it's yeah. essentially a chain of transactions. There's no notion of accounts. Um, and with that, you have basically enough to have a, a complete uh, history of, of, of the currency. Um, so where double spending, the way uh, the original blockchain proposal came around uh, to solving the double spending issue is by, like Perry said, time ordering these transactions. So um, a blockchain is essentially um, a chain of blocks where each block contains some amount of transactions that were approved at a, a specific time point, right? Um, and at that time point, you can always just trace backwards in, in that history to make sure that when you're, when you're going to add a transaction to it, there's no double spending happening. So an input is not valid if it's already been spent before, right? And with this, if you have this chronological ordering of transactions, you're good. You can easily check that. And there are ways for the entire uh, decentralized network to agree on this transaction history, which is called mining, which we don't need to go into. But the point is everybody on this network agrees on a sequence of blocks that everybody refers to 
which is what they use to check whether or not a transaction is double spending, right? Now this, this makes it less, this makes it more difficult for double spending to happen, but it doesn't make it impossible for double spending to happen. Um, why? Because everybody, anybody is free to add blocks to this chain and um, you can add, uh, you can essentially, um, how, how should I say? I mean, you, you can fork the chain so you can um, at any point add blocks that don't follow the current chain, right? And start, um, start adding history on top of that, right? So it's hard to talk about this without the picture, but imagine, uh, you know, you have one single chain going of transactions, everything's fine. Uh, at one point, uh, Alice uh, says, okay, well, look at this blockchain history. Bob, here's uh, some Bitcoin and you can check that uh, everything's legit. I haven't spent this Bitcoin before, so give me a pizza. Uh, Bob gives her the pizza. That's very nice. And then, uh, so now she has her pizza, she goes home and uh, since she has a crazy amount of computers, she can then fork the chain. So start a new path in this blockchain where uh, she undoes essentially where there's a transaction such that she undoes um, that Bitcoin that she spent by sending it to someone else. So creating a transaction instead of from A to B for that Bitcoin, but from A to C, uh, where C can be herself. And essentially taking over the, the history of the chain with this new A to C transaction. So Bob, unfortunately, already gave Alice this pizza. So now she has the pizza and she's created a consistent chain with a new transaction, A to C. So A to B is now no longer valid. And she essentially now has her pizza and her Bitcoin. So this is just a 51% attack. This is a 51% attack. And that's the way that you can double spend in, in, in Bitcoin. So the way that you can do this is by having more uh, compute power than the rest of the network, because that gives you the ability to outpace the honest chains um, and uh, essentially kind of undo transactions that were previously accepted by just uh, creating. Re yeah, rewriting, rewriting the history. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this is essentially uh, how Bitcoin addresses double spending and it's by having this one, uh, one chain of history that the whole network syncs up against, syncs up to. Um, and yes, is that cool? Yeah. So you, know, you, you know a 51% attack happened then, right? When are you, like, are, you st are you stating a fact or are you asking? Uh, I guess I'm stating a fact. <laughs> okay, so 51%. When did it happen? Like, like you could tell, right? I mean, I mean, oh, uh, I don't know if you can, I don't know if you can, right? Because, um, you can tell that you can always tell that there's orphan blocks, but you don't know if it's a 51% attack or if it's just like a, a blockchain that someone abandoned, you know? Okay. You always know that the chain splits at some point because you can just check all the blocks that refer to to the previous block. Like in this case, the pink block and the gray block both refer to the green block. So mm -hmm. you can check that both there's a fork somewhere, but you don't know which one came first, right? Because everyone just has a valid version of the blockchain that they look at. And in Bitcoin, the rule is just take the chain that has the most work done on it. So the the yellow chain would be the longest chain that would be the official history. Yeah, so the way people go around this is by waiting long enough to actually give the pizza. So usually you wait six blocks before you give someone the pizza since 
the longer you wait, the harder it becomes to do this forking, right? Because you have to do the work for more blocks. Yeah. Yeah. So, so So, yeah, go on. Yeah. So basically the point is, okay, for a pizza, maybe it's not worth it to double spend, but let's say you're buying something for a trillion dollars. You might send it to somebody and then like wait one block. If the guy gives you the Lamborghini, then you can just go back, undo it by rewriting the history. Right. Right. And then nobody knows unless the okay the Lamborghini guy can tell everyone like look someone's someone screwed me by double spending but in principle he should just wait long enough that it becomes virtually impossible to rewrite the history that far back. Okay. So if you waited a hundred blocks, say, eh, someone would have to outpace the network a hundred blocks and then add to make the longest chain. Mm-hmm. And the way you end up getting screwed over is because you accepted Bitcoin that's only valid in a chain that is no longer the accepted chain. Yeah. So I should have said that. So Bob got Bitcoin on a fork of the chain that got abandoned. And since when you create a new transaction, it always gets checked against the longest chain, then Bob would not be able to spend that Bitcoin because it's not consistent with the longest chain. Well, I guess not always, but I guess the, mo- the longest chain is the one that most people are looking at, right? Yes, sure. So Bob can't spend the money to buy his own pizza or his own uh, meat or whatever to make the pizza because okay, no, one, sure. no one believes this chain. It, no, no one cares about the chain that he's on. But the chain could eventually become Bitcoin Cash and then people would start accepting Bob's new chain. So if Bob really wanted to make his money back for the pizza, he would promote uh, that new chain um, like Craig Wright would and and then he would be able to spend his Bitcoin. Somebody would accept Bob Bitcoins. That's a very good point, Perry. You know, I'm full of them. Absolutely. That's why you're my co-host. Yeah. Thanks. But you're my co-host, actually. So yeah. You know, uh, I'm thinking of taking over the hosting duties, actually. Okay, gonna, nice. We're going to let the already, audience decide. You've already slowly done it. <laughs> I let you say hello on the first yeah. one. But that's it. Thanks. <laughs> okay, so should we get to the paper? Yeah, so this is where the this paper that we're going to talk about um, takes off. And the the main issue that they try to go around is the fact that in Bitcoin, you have to be synced to this one, the entire network has to sync up to one version of the blockchain. So in order for a transaction to be valid, it's checked against the longest chain in this network that everybody agrees to, right? Yeah, but I think the point, isn't the point that, you know, in Bitcoin, let's say you didn't receive one of the blocks yet. Yeah. You you can't process any blocks after that, right? So if there's some internet connection issue that the guy sending you block N it doesn't receive, you don't get it, yeah. but you get block N plus one, N plus two, N plus three. You can't yeah. do anything with those blocks because you haven't received block N yet. And Correct. I guess this, this asynchronous blockchain is trying to fix that problem by letting you still check that the block N plus one is okay or the transactions in the block N plus one are okay without necessarily knowing what block N has in it yet. Correct. That's and why it's I, asynchronous. It's that. And also one of their claims is that they have finality which means the way I interpret it, and I'm not 100% I understood how they prove that, but the point is in Bitcoin, like we just discussed, there's, it, there's always going to be a chance that your transaction gets abandoned. Like the chain that your transaction is on might get outpaced at some point in the future, right? So the probability is exponentially small in the number yeah. of blocks you've waited, but I guess yeah, it's still finite is the point. Yes. So you never are guaranteed that your transaction is fully accepted by the network. 
But at the time of accepting, you are guaranteeing that that transaction is valid with the current state of the blockchain, right? So what they're trying to do is actually- well, with, some prob- with some probability, right? No. Why? Yeah, I mean, so- when a miner accept, accepts a transaction, it's accepted because it's valid f- with the current chain, right? Yeah, but I guess the, so I think the point is that uh, it, it, it only stays valid with an exponentially small, pro- uh, exponentially large probability towards one. Meaning that there's a probability that someone will fork it and introduce a transaction that makes it invalid. Exactly, in the past. Yeah. Uh, so the that sort of non-finality is something that they were trying to address by saying, in our new blockchain, when you accept a transaction, it's confirmed forever. And that's just by construction. Okay. So, yes, okay. We'll, we'll talk about this, I guess. But. I think so. All right. So they introduce a structure called a directed acyclic graph. Um, and in kind of similar to what we were looking at in the example of the UTXOs or the unspent transaction outputs, you can think of transactions as themselves forming a kind of network. Uh, so like a chain of dependencies. And um, so if you imagine that a transaction sort of the way it connects to another one is by spending the outputs that it uh, creates, then uh, you can create a link of dependencies between transactions. And if you have a consistent uh, history of transactions, then you would imagine that you would have no cycles in this graph because you can't have a transaction depending on itself. Um, So that's what gives rise to this directed acyclic graph notion where a node in this graph is a transaction, uh, an edge is formed in the direction of the transaction that it depends on. So there's a direction from the current transaction to the transaction whose outputs it spends. And all of these arrows can essentially be traced all the way back to Genesis, so the first transaction. And um, it's acyclic because you don't have circular dependencies between transactions. Um, And this is kind of the structure that they build on for their sort of blockchain, which is not really a blockchain. And I think um, this is also very similar to another uh, currency called IOTA, which uh, prob- in much earlier, I don't know when IOTA came out, period 2016, I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe the white papers are 2015 even. Uh, yeah. Simon, have you, did you mess with IOTA? I mean, uh, I, I don't think so. Hmm. so Simon, you, Simon bought everything except IOTA. Yeah, you bought Tron. I, heard, I remember you were talking <laughs> I didn't about buy, Tron. I didn't yeah. buy Tron. Yeah, you did. No. And actually, you helped their owner have breakfast with Warren Buffett. So. <laughs> I don't think so. So it's like you had breakfast, yeah. You were in that breakfast. (laughs) Right. I remember because I heard about what Tron is from you. Or actually, maybe it was my cousin. Man, everybody was into this three years ago. It's crazy. Um, Anyway, so IOTA, and I didn't reread the white paper, but I think we we kind of went into it when it came out, no, Perry. And essentially, you have transactions. When you create a transaction, you pick two other previous transactions to confirm. Um, and this way you kind of make uh, a chain of dependencies just like that. And the more transactions that confirm past transactions, the more confident you are that this is a, an accepted valid yeah. transaction. Right? But that was done with proof of work, right? There was some computation you had to do to verify a transaction. Right. Yeah. But I mean, that's probably just done to not to prevent spamming or something, no? Uh, well, I think it's also to, to, if you wanted to undo a transaction, you'd have to like undo all the work. On that chain. Okay. Yeah, you know, like to spend to unspend the almost all the transactions that depend on that. Yeah, 
Okay, so the the fundamental idea was here to actually create this network of transactions, right? So, and if you can just, if you can look at this network of saying, okay, this transaction is trying to spend this output, who's all, who spent this previous output, you can trace back how, whether or not a transaction is valid, right? Um, and essentially this is what this paper does. They build a chain of transactions, uh, a graph of transactions, and they, uh, they, they promise that um, if at most one third of the network is, uh, one third of the currency in this network is controlled by honest miners, uh, by dishonest miners, then uh, there's, there, you can never have double spending uh, with this structure. Um, did I say everything I want here? Yeah, you so didn't, we- You didn't explain the structure yet though. No, it's, I mean, it's kind of similar to, to the just network of transactions, but I think the main thing they add on top of this is something called an ACK, which I imagine is short for acknowledgement or something. I don't know. Oh, I, I should say who the authors of this paper are before that though. Um, so this paper came out in February 25th, 2020 by Jacob Silinski and Roger Wattenhofer, Wattenhofer from ETH Zurich, um, who I Googled. And it turns out he uh, is a professor in blockchain. <laughs> wow. Um, and he was, he actually was the first one to notice that empty Gox was like uh, a legit hack or something like. He, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I forget what the term was, man. I should have gone into this before. Okay. We're still kind of in the intro section right now. Um, yeah. So this guy, Oh no. Um, he published numerous research articles and a book on Bitcoin. So, um, yeah, so he, he uncovered that nearly 850,000 oh, okay. of the Bitcoin could not have been stolen by malleability attacks as claimed by Mt. Gox. Do you know what a malleability attack is? No clue. Maybe we should Google that real quick. Um, a malleability attack is... Okay, there's no quick answer. <laughs> I wonder if it's maybe to do with like orphan blocks or something. Um, oh. Uh, I have no idea. I don't know how important this is though. Anyway, this guy, I guess, was analyzing the blockchain and figured out that there was like a real hack going. Um, so yeah, I mean, it looks like they're pretty serious blockchain researchers. Um, so yeah, coming out of ETH Zurich, they introduce this dummy transaction called an ACK, which as far as I understood is um, a transaction that basically points to other transactions without being a spending, without incurring any spending. It points to other transactions that it has approved somehow. So it's essentially creating a trace of a chain of valid transactions, essentially, right? So when you create, a, when you want to spend some Bitcoin, so Simon, you like, you know, you create a transaction, I want to send Perry five Bitcoin. Uh, I create a standard Bitcoin transaction and I also specify a validator. So you include a public key to which belongs to the person who you want to validate this transaction. And then from what I understood, that person would then create an ACK which is uh, a dummy transaction 
which essentially points to uh, the set of transactions or a history for your transaction, which is valid for what you're trying to spend. So, um, and the, the important thing is that these acts have some weight associated to them so that the, um, the amount of money that is linked to the transaction you're creating is directly what the weight of your ACK is. Is that kind of what it, what it was, Perry? That's what I understood. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if you want to go through the paper or you want to just do it in PowerPoint form. But uh, I mean, that's that was my last slide, basically. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to go through like the different uh, stuff that they talk about. But the, from my understanding, is you have a transactions like you said. If we look at section. Um, 5.1 right so the transaction um here you know has a, you know has a set of yeah a references to previous transactions a set of outputs and a set of inputs right yep fine that's that's very similar to what bitcoin has mm -hmm. and then the ACK, which is the definition two now contains a set, set of references to previous transactions fine then this sentence i didn't understand for some output o yeah there's a typo there a and the sign. Okay, I think I it means A is signed by the validator key of O. Uh, I would imagine, right? So the validator signs the transaction, signs the ACK, right? Okay, fine. And the ACK is given a weight, which is the value of the transaction that was created. So That's Simon fine. is spending five Bitcoin. He picks me to be the validator. I create an ACK, which has a weight of five Bitcoins. So what I don't understand here though is, uh, are acts verified? So what happens if I give my give the, the validator my own a public key to another account I control? Yeah, and I just verify the my own transaction or something, right? They said that you can verify your own transaction. Sure, because if you look yeah. at the if you look at figure one point or figure two there, yeah, there, there are acts that verify acts. Yeah, I I don't see in the formalism that they've described how that happens. They do not at all mention how that happens. So does but, do acts also output some validator address? Probably, but I would imagine that like since an act is technically a set of transactions. No, like, it's, not a set, it's a one transaction, right? Well, it's a pointer to a set of transactions. Isn't it, so, isn't it a pointer to one transaction? Yeah. Okay, so that's another thing, right? Uh, but in the figure, you're right. It looks like it points to a set of transactions in the figure. An act contains a set of references to previous transactions. Maybe the graph for the acts is formed as you go. You know, like they they like self out. Uh, they automatically validate each other. But look, you see in this figure, V four validates V one. So in this figure, the, the circles are are acts. Yeah. So V four validates uh, two transactions and and two acts, right? Yeah. V two V one are the two acts it validates. Yeah. Um, I, what I'm guessing is V1 outputs some key that says I want V4 to validate me, right? Yeah. My question is now, what happens if V1 and V4 are the same person mm -hmm. and P1 is also the same person? I think it's fine, right? Because anybody can check that the acts create a consistent history. I, I think no, no, but they can't, right? Because I specify who I want to validate. Yeah. So imagine V4 now picks himself to validate V4 and then that, that person, it's a chain of yourself validating and you do it long enough that 
all the transactions that happened in a different chain get unvalidated, right? Like what happens if the, the gray chain that's supposed to, the gray transaction that's supposed to be that, it's a, a double spend. Guess, yeah, it's a double spend, right? Yeah. What happens if the true double spend is actually the purple transaction below? Yeah. But just that V1, V4, and V6, and all the other ones are the same person that just keeps validating. Um, like you're, essentially the validators pick transactions, like they, they can censor transactions, right? Not only can they censor, but if I just pick myself to keep validating my own transactions mm-hmm. and then pick myself to validate the act that validates that transaction and keep picking that, yeah, I can always just keep validating my own stuff. And then yeah, but the, if the, I have more money than everyone, I can just... But I think what they're saying is that by construction, you can't create an invalid uh, act. Like, but here, the, look, it's, it's created in this figure, right? Oh, an invalid spend. act. Yeah. Well, look, like V4, V4 validates the, the gray transaction. Yeah, but it don't, it'll, it'll never have more weight than two-thirds of the, of the network, of, of the entire capital. Why? What if V4 picks the validator to be himself again? Yeah, so honestly, I'm stumped here because... One second, one second. Yeah. Sorry. If, uh, <laughs> if, if, the cha- if the whole chain is owned... Uh, by more than uh, two-thirds dishonest uh, val- like validators or mm-hmm. agents. You need uh, one-third. It's only well, it's, one-third. It's just, you, just, you just need one-third. Yeah. If one-third is dishonest, if one-third of the money on the chain is dishonest, then you can break everything. Okay, I see. So, so I mean, like, isn't this just, uh, don't you know if an, uh, like an act is effective uh, just according to how many people have the same act in their chain? You know what I mean? Okay, they, they define what an effective act is, right? An effective act is one that has at least two thirds of the weight of the right. network. Right. Yeah. And also it has a consistent past. So I think a, right. a, an act specifies a past for a transaction, right? So like P3, P4 is trying to spend to P7. So you create act V4, which says, look at V2 and look at V1, and these will give you the so, okay. inputs that you need, right? This is, this is another question that I have. Yeah. How does V1 and V2 verify the same transaction? Oh, it's just the outputs, maybe? Uh, they just verify the outputs independently? Oh, like for each output, there's an ACK that you maybe, can specify? Maybe that's the point, right? Yeah, because, okay, so V2 is checking, uh, is giving the input. No, it, V2 is checking P3 which is not even an input to that transaction. No, no, but I mean, maybe, maybe you, see, you see the purple transaction in the middle? Yeah. P, P1 sends four, and then it, uh, P4 uh, gets three, and P5 gets one. Yeah. Maybe, maybe V2 verifies that P5 gets one, and V1 verifies that P4 gets three. Maybe, yeah. Because otherwise, I don't know, understand why there's more than one act verifying one transaction. But no, it actually doesn't make sense because V2 and V4 both verify P4 sends three to P7. Yeah. So how can there be more than one act pointing to one transaction? I thought you said, I thought you referenced one. Yes, but maybe V2 came out of like a different transaction, you know? V2 came out of a different transaction. No, what I'm saying is P4 sends three Bitcoin or whatever coin to P7, right? Yeah. In that transaction, he, he sets a validator. Mm-hmm. Did he set validator V4 or did he set validator V2? And yeah, if, he I don't set, know. if he said V4, how come V2 is validating? 
Yeah. And by the way, there's a typo because there's a V2 twice here. Two acts okay, named sure. V2. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I got really confused. I didn't know. I, I actually don't know what's going on. Maybe one of them needs to be V3 or something. But even if it is, right? How, why are there two acts verifying the same thing? Oh, I see. Yeah, I mean, but I mean... The, the definition says one, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah, it does. It says... Um, so... Confirmed act. A set of references to... No, sorry. Um, in the definition of transactions, it doesn't say... It doesn't uh, say, what, oh wait, the sum of the values of the outputs equal to the sum of that. It doesn't say where you actually pick a validator. I thought it did at one point though. Uh-huh. An act contributes to the confirmation of a transaction. We call it effective. An act associated with an output O is effective for T if that transaction outputting O is confirmed in past A. No transaction in past A spends O. Every unconfirmed transaction in past A that T depends on is the only transaction. Okay, yeah, so it's just... Oh, look, yeah, look here. If you go to protocol, if you go to section five, yeah, in outputs, it says it. Um, section five, I am in section five. Uh, your definition five. Just a protocol, go up. Oh, right definition there. five, protocol outputs. There, there, oh, yeah. There. So you have in a trend, in an output, you have a value, an owner, and a validator key, a public key. The agent holding the associated secret key is indicated as a validator. Okay, yeah. So you pick a so the owner O controls the out the owner controls the output by saying that a message is signed by an output O. We will mean that the message is signed by the owner. In general, the agents could reuse their keys for multiple outputs. However, for simplicity, okay. Well, um, but it looks like there's one validator, right? And it I does, yeah. But I mean, whatever, let's say that you can have acts that validate acts. Like what's the bottom line of this? Like what is this contributing is my question. Look, like I, I think, sorry. I get the, the asynchronous thing, thing works, right? Like a, a set of transactions can be consistent without needing the entire set of, trans, the entire history, right? Right. But I, I, think, I think my question is, I, I don't know how this Look, there has to be some way of, 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 of a, there has to be some sort of consensus, right? Like saying that the gray transaction in this figure is not right and the purple one is correct. It's because the, the acts don't have enough weight. That, that's fine. That, that, that's fine. But if you can pick your validator, which yeah. is not, doesn't exist, well, in this picture, it doesn't look like you can. Yeah. Right? If, but if you, could, if you could pick your validator, let's say I have, I, I'm the validator for the Genesis block. Yeah. And I have 10 coins. Mm -hmm. And I pick myself as the validator to send myself 10 coins. Yeah. Then I can just keep, keep picking myself as the validator to keep verifying all the subsequent transactions. Right. And I'll always have that weight. Yeah. Now, if you're saying another validator can come in and, and, and check my verifications or whatever. But the weight isn't conserved, right? They talk about creating money eventually. No, sure. Yeah. That, that's like in the extension, but the weight is conserved, yeah. right? Okay. So whatever comes out of Genesis, that's the entire, uh, yeah, because if you cap. look if, if you look at this if you look at these transactions, right? There's four, four, yeah. two. Yeah. It's like and then you can follow it that you right. have to send all the like the outputs are always equal to the inputs. Yeah. In this thing. Yeah. Yeah, but that's why they say that the honest miner only starts with a third at most of the of the genesis output. The dishonest, yeah. The dishonest. Sorry, the dishonest, yeah. So then anyway, yeah, I just got really confused. I, I don't I still don't understand how this works. 
why is v4 and v2 verifying this p4 3 to p7 3 yeah and also if like this assumption that the dishonest miner only gets a third is kind of weird no like couldn't wouldn't you also want to like check for the case where the honest miners become dishonest you know yeah i think that i think no but i think the point is if at any given instant in time one third of the money is controlled by someone that's dishonest yeah you have a potential for this to break sure okay that that's the point it's not just start starting with a third it's like at any given instant in time okay if someone conspires if one third of the money conspires to destroy this they can and that's only because in order to accept a transaction, you check that its acts add up to a third of the, to two thirds of the currency, right? Well, I think there's a proof that says like, if you did that, then nothing can ever go wrong. Yeah, but that's, it's because it's kind of circular, no? Like, because you have this rule that two thirds is the threshold, then you have a validity, a valid transaction, you know, then you'll always oh. have two thirds being honest, you know? I'm not sure that's true though. Isn't, don't, don't they do this math? Not really. Or this proof that uh, whatever this... Uh... I don't know. All the proofs felt kind of sketchy to me. Like the, the way I understood it is an act, an honest, an honest validator would never create an act where the history has a double spend in it, you know? No, sure, but, but, but V4 here has not, right, done that? Yeah. I mean, somehow he has actually, because he's verified V1 that verifies something that's inconsistent with something else he's verified. Right, but so somehow they claim that you ignore these transactions because they don't add up to more than a third of the weight, more than two-thirds of the weight, right? I guess, yeah. And but that's I, just maybe... like a, an artificial rule. It's like, okay, yeah, there can be double spending happening. There could be a subgraph here that's inconsistent with another subgraph, but just pick the one that has more weight, right? And that's it. Uh, I guess then, pick, not more weight, but two-thirds at least of the weight. Okay, yeah, sure. At least two-thirds of the weight. That could have been four-fifths, right? Or, you know. Oh, you're saying it's an arbitrary choice? Yeah, because there's nothing preventing someone from creating an inconsistent act. Like, even in this figure, like you said, right? Um. No, no, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, so the, the question you're bringing up is something else, right? What, what entices me to make an act? Why do I care? <laughs> like, what's the, what's the incentive to create anything that validates anything else? Yeah, I mean, I think they said there's some kind of transaction fee eventually. Um, but also, right, the, in, in Bitcoin, a, a miner is incentivized to create an honest block because they can lose their block, right, if, if it doesn't and, get accepted. And not only that, they, they gain the benefit of, of winning something, right? Yeah. They wouldn't risk their money if there was no benefit to winning, getting something back. Yeah. The point here is like, oh yeah, you, you have to introduce some transaction fee. Yeah. Fine. I'm okay with that. But the point, yeah. Okay. I don't, I, I don't know. I think this is, um, I have a lot of questions here. Simon, do you have any ideas here? Uh, so I'm not exactly sure. Um, is this like this, uh, specific example of the like dag structure mm -hmm. of the chain uh we call it a it, dag we call yeah, it a dag. Dag. in computer sure. science we call that <laughs> a dag <laughs> so is it is is what's confusing you perry 
is it because maybe there's a double spending uh, transaction here? No, what's confusing me is that in the, I guess in the definitions or of the output, yeah. they say every output has a unique validator. But is that an artifact of there being a double spending transaction that there's two acts for one transaction? Hmm. So from my understanding of the, 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 the section five or whatever, was that when I create a, a transaction, I specify an input, I specify an output, and for every output, I, asp I specify someone that's going to validate if that output is valid. Right. Here it looks, so okay, and then what I assumed was only that validator can validate that transaction. Right. What it looks like here is like, let's say P4 to P7 val uh, chose validator V2. Mm -hmm. How come V4 is also pointing to that transaction? Yeah, so what I'm asking is, is that, is that potentially like something that happened because there's a double spending transaction in this Like chain. if you took it out, if you took out the double spending, there wouldn't be that. But how? I, I thought each transaction picked their own validators. Yeah. So even if there was no double spend, there's a, there a picked validator for this transaction. Mm -hmm. It's either V2 or V4, I guess. How did the other one get in there? Maybe V4 is dishonest. I don't know. And he's just validating something random. Yeah, it could be that there's like a, a transaction that's not in there. But it says the validator V4 references T, but there's yeah. another transaction spending the same output visible in the past of the ACK. Hence, the ACK is not effective for T. So it's not effective yeah. for this transaction T, but it's still validating other stuff, right? Yeah. So well, maybe there's two versions, like because of the double spending attack, one version where like V2 validates that transaction and the other version where V4. But the transaction picks a single validator, right? It doesn't pick a validator depending on the past. Okay. Right? Well, I guess, I'm, I'm assuming that. Well, well, isn't it possible that um, because um, they're double spending, like, okay, I, yeah, I guess I don't understand. Maybe we can try to see if they've accomplished their two aims of finality and asynchronousness, asynchronicity. Asynchronicity. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think yeah. the DAG idea, which had already been proposed in IOTA, is logical for this, right? Like, if you're, if in order for a transaction to be valid, there's a subset of all transactions that you need to verify it. You don't sure. need all of them, right? And it's that's like a Merkle tree, it. right? It's like a Merkle yeah. tree. You, you just need a certain branch to be yeah. fine, and then you don't care about the rest, maybe. Yeah, so in this case, like, that makes sense. You create a transaction, and you look for a path in this graph that validates it, right? And somehow the acts do that, and we hope that the honest acts outweigh the dishonest acts. So that's cool. Like, there's no global, like, single state of the system like there is in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, although there are like... No, wait, there, of, is a global, yeah. there is a global single state of the system, right? Okay, sure. It's, it's all it's, acts with two thirds of the weight. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's true. So it's just more... It's just a generalization of the blockchain, I guess. Uh, I don't know if it's a general... Well, is it a generalization? First of all, it's not a blockchain, right? Because there are no blocks here. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's true, yeah. If the transactions it's, are dangling by themselves. It's just a it's just a dag, right? Uh, maybe maybe calling it a blockchain is a bit misleading. Yeah, it's a tangle or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So I mean that that makes sense. 
but then the finality thing is what I don't really get. Like it, to me, the, the sort of whether or not a transaction is accepted still depends on something that can change in the future. Right. Yeah. So what happens if later at a later date, someone gets two thirds or more than one third of the money and they just, and then try approve transaction P one P nine. Right. Yeah. But that, that's the thing. So if you can pick the validator, mm-hmm. maybe they can't do that. Right. They can't, they cannot because you've picked a different validator. Oh, like there can't. Oh, I see. I see. So the, you can kind of know what the weight of the act is going to be right when you create it. Yeah, exactly. Because it's just the output money. The but if you it, have the acts verifying acts, then maybe that breaks, right? No, because if I always pick, even in the acts who's going to verify my act, yeah. I just pick that person and that person remains fixed. And then if someone in the future gets two thirds of the money or more than one third, they can't unvalidate the transactions because you know, they can't validate old transactions. Yeah, yeah, I see. And that's but the point. I, doesn't the weight add on top of the acts? Like the weight of yeah. V1, uh, uh, V4 gets added to the weight of V1, right? I think so, yeah. Well, actually, no, not in this case because V4 is validating an invalid transaction. Okay, sorry, for V2 and I guess it should be V3. Like, yeah, V2 and V2 are, yeah, add. Like the weight of the weight of a parent act is the sum of its children app, children acts, right? Yes. So couldn't you introduce a parent act that that oh no, but it wouldn't be connected to an invalid transaction, right? I don't know how you yeah. connect the acts to acts though. Yeah. If, you, if the acts also pick the validator, then you can't do that. But if the acts get validated by random other acts, mm-hmm. then I can imagine just a, a huge act, you know, just coming in and mm-hmm. and destroying some chain. Yeah. I don't know how this works, actually. I really don't. I think the... Oh, yeah, it, it wasn't... I read this three times. It was not clear to me at all, like, some of the things like this. Maybe we can we can email Mr... Uh, I'm definitely going to email the first author. And... What an so, author. Perry, your idea of inviting the authors was a great idea. And Simon, I know you were blasting, putting us on blast for not having any listeners. But once we get the authors in here, I, I have a feeling we're going to start taking off, right? Yeah, right, for sure. So do you take back, say, you know, all the, all the hate that you were dishing out before we started recording? Uh, no. <laughs> you, also, also, Simon, it looks like you got a haircut. Have you been following the oh rules? <laughs> have you been uh, following social distancing protocols? I got one right before. Oh, really? <laughs> Simon, I know the rate at which your hair grows. It's been a month, bro. Is it yeah. slower? You, your face would be full of hair right now. Like your, your forehead no, would no, be growing he, hairs. He shaves himself though, right? No, sure. But his, his, his hairline would not be that sharp and crisp. It is a sharp. It is a very sharp. Did you, you, you want to see me? Barber? You want to see me? Look at this. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, God. <laughs> look you look like a horse. <laughs> oh, my this. gosh. Perry, this, this is why I wear the hat. Just, uh, is, uh, just uh, let Vanessa cut your hair or something. Perry, you can oh, get a buzz cut, right? Yeah, right. Perry, you can get a buzz cut. It would look normal. You've, you've had buzz cuts in the past. Yeah, you should just get a buzz cut. No, I won't, though. Why? Yeah? No, I don't, I don't want to. Okay, well, <laughs> let, let, him, let him have his, uh, his own. My money, my, 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 I can't, uh, you know, gender fill expression. with a money maker. Yeah, gender <laughs> expression. <laughs> oh, look, see, this is what Simon should look like, but he doesn't. So I know he's not following the social distancing protocols. No, it's probably because like I'm balding or something. 
Uh, maybe. <laughs> you know, I listen to some podcasts that have uh, sponsors for uh, balding medicine. Keeps.com. You got balding medicine to your doorstep. If you guys yeah. want to sponsor us, let us know. <laughs> Info at ozeki.io. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, should we, uh, should we wrap this up? Yeah, I think sure. we should try to email the next, uh, the offers for real. So uh, actually, something that I, I wanted to ask you, Perry, um, they say in the introduction that uh, a problem with proof of stake yep. is that uh, there's a lot of like randomness involved. Yes. Yeah, so yes. Yeah. So the thing is, in proof of stake, you have to who 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 decides who gets who decides who gets the stake. Who decides who gets the stake? Yeah. Who gets to like validate check the block is valid? But I thought that's just a lottery that's weighted by your. Uh, yes. So how do you how do you? But well, a lottery is random by definition. It's well not in blockchain, right? It's pseudo random. Sure, but well, how do you how do you make this pseudo random number generate? Like, I don't know. You hash the block and uh, modulo by the number of verifiers or something. Yeah, sure. But if you if, yeah, so if, if you can hash a block, yeah. it's a deterministic process, right? Yeah. So I guess the point is, if you can, if there's some de- deterministic process, yeah. that says that says hash the block and pick the an address that has the same last digits or whatever. Yeah. And maybe I hash the block before everybody make an address or something. Um, but you can't know what the next block is going to look like. Sure. But how do you, yeah, yeah, I, I know, but how do you pick the person that's going to validate? Um, okay. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the, the specifics here, but no, no, but it's a lottery, lottery, right? You wanted to yeah. do this lottery thing. Yeah. Yeah. But how do you, how do you make a lottery on, on something that has to be deterministic? Well, it's, um, you, you just have a range of outputs, right? And then you, you just probably allocate that output space proportional to the weight of the validators. Sure. But and if yeah, you can't yeah. predict the block, then you don't know where it's going to hit, right? No, sure. But how, yeah, but the, the question is, how do you pick? At the end of the day, you need a probability distribution. Yeah. That, like you said, is weighted by the number of coins you have. And you need some hash of the block to relate somehow to some probability distribution. Okay, so you're saying it's just hard to like construct this. Well, it's hard to get randomness into a blockchain. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's the fundamental problem, I guess. It's hard to get ra- fair randomness into a blockchain. Um, but couldn't it be something like, you know, hash the block and the number of zeros is proportional to your hash to to your to the number of coins you have, and then whoever can claim to have the same number of the correct number of coins and zeros gets to hash the next block or something. Right? But can't you just move around the coins after you see that? I see. Yeah. Okay. Like you, see, you you see the new block. You you see the hash has x amount of zeros. Mm-hmm. You have x times two 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 x zeros uh, yeah. two x coins. You remove half of them from your account okay. or something. I mean, there has to be one person, okay. right? It has to pick a person. Yeah. Uh, it has to pick an account or whatever. Uh, yeah. I, I guess, okay, I don't know exactly how it works, but I'm, I'm just, I, I can understand why randomness in a blockchain is difficult where everything has to be deterministic. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. So, and theirs is like, to me, felt a bit like proof of stake, right? Because in order to have uh, an incentive, incentive to create a valid act, you have to somehow risk some assets right that's another thing i'm not yeah. sure what they're doing I, I i don't know i don't know how this works 
Yeah. I don't, I, like, is the reward for verifying an act the same as verifying a transaction or? We have questions. So look, uh, I'm going to email the authors. Maybe they'll want to do a follow-up episode with us. You know, that would be really cool. Simon, you'd be more than welcome to join. Uh, maybe you hopefully, yeah, hopefully you'll have read the paper. <laughs> and to be honest, like the second half of the paper, I read it. I, I don't, I didn't get much from it. I don't know about you, Perry. Uh, I didn't get much from the proofs. And the, yeah. and the rest is sort of like our paper where we just say stuff we haven't done. But all of it was proofs and no like intuition. Like their proof outline was saying. Uh, We're going to prove this. Yeah. <laughs> it works because lemma three. Yeah. And then lemma three is after, you know. Yeah. No, I, I don't want to be. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be uh, negative here because we might be talking to the authors. <laughs> I'm sure like I, I just kind of didn't get it, missed the boat on some things. Probably one small thing we didn't understand. We'll understand it once. Uh... Yeah. And it, I mean, this is still a preprint, so maybe they're still working on, on rephrasing some stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, what's going to happen next episode? Simon, you're going to join us. Uh, we'll see. Simon, you can join. And if you, you... pick a paper, you're, you'll have to read it. Hopefully. That's not necessarily true. <laughs> Incentivizing Simon to read the paper. I mean, some podcasts have like very recurrent guests, you know, like you can be like Matt Damon on the Jimmy Kimmel show. Sure, sure. Our well, guest I would, never reads the papers. <laughs> I would uh, I would gladly go on the Jimmel, Jimmy Kimmel show. The Jimmel what? Kimmel. <laughs> Jimmel Kimmel. Uh, so, Simon, so Simon, you're picking a paper for next week? No, no. Who said I'm doing that? What? Why don't we read re review your paper uh, in ACS Nano? Oh my gosh. It's not even a blockchain paper. You know, there's not that many blockchain papers, so we might have to extend into nano chemistry. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is really, yeah. I mean, this is kind of new to me, this stuff. Uh, I mean, trying to really understand it. What bothers me is that you would have been way more into this three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Possibly. Simon. <laughs> yeah. Possibly. Or if Simon Bernard was here. Oh. That's that's not possible. I'm bleeping okay. that. I'm bleeping that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no references to people you who shall not, not be named. Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh next week I, I think we just confused everyone in this paper. But I think we went over some important blockchain concepts like double spending and um Yep. and consensus and things like that and utxos mm -hmm. um what should we talk about next time i guess perry you'll pick simon you're, you're actually i mean if you want to pick a paper you can pick a paper yeah you want to do uh, it no he's, de he's definitely not doing it there's no chance all right fine it. simon fine you blew I, it i'm camera. not gonna i'm not gonna pick something good by the way i have no idea what i'm doing here okay well you if you want to be on the next episode you can be on the next episode i think i'm gonna pick a an easier paper maybe I thought this would be easy. Yeah. I'll pick something tangentially related to blockchain maybe. Oh yeah? I was I'm thinking sure. of something, yeah, like maybe something a little more on the social side of things. Yeah, maybe something like that. Graph theory. Just pick a graph theory paper. Yeah? Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll DAGs. Simon. How about DAGs, yeah. <laughs> DAGs. Whatever. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know people use, they actually say that. It's okay. Of course. Okay. Take uh take my class intro to computer science. It's the new dad, right? Dad. Very good. Very good. Is it? That's gonna be the title of the episode now.
Dag is the new dab. Okay, so I guess that's end. That's that was, end, a, uh, that was one podcast. hour. Let's yeah. end it. Uh, Simon, thank you for joining us. Wait, uh, before we go, I need to say email us at o- info at ozeki.io. Um, we're if you want to take comments, if you want, if anyone's listening. Paper suggestions, maybe. Paper suggestions. Yeah, that'd be great. If people um, have any. Simon, you can send us paper suggestions too. Sure. And uh, thanks for joining. Yeah, absolutely. no problem. Uh, all right. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. See yeah, you see you guys time. later. Ciao. Yeah, thanks. Bye.